And if y'all want to hear the word of God, you got to let me know you want to hear the word of God. In Psalm chapter 100, in verse 1. Come on, Joel. Right before the welcome, I told Danny, don't steal my sermon. Don't, don't go to Psalm 100. He said, it's so good you said that, because we were about to turn <laughs> Don't take my scriptures. So then he preaches uh, Psalm 107. I, I didn't tell him that that was also in my sermon. Right? <laughs> the Spirit was working, amen? amen? In Psalm chapter 100, verse 1, it says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. That's us. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him. With joyful psalms, know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him, and praise His name. For the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Y'all don't want to hear the word of God. <laughs> Enter his gates with thanks. 
You know, it says, for the Lord is God, and God is good. You know, you can, you can ask the men and women of the Bible, was God good? And you'll get a resounding yes. I mean, let's just look at two men, Ezra and David. You know, Ezra records David. There's a psalm in the middle of 1 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 34. And David says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. When they bring the ark into the temple, the trumpeters and the singers rejoice in 2 Chronicles 5.13. He is good. They rebuilt the temple. They dedicated it to God in 2 Chronicles 7 verse 3. He is good. His love endures forever. They rebuilt the temple in Ezra 3.11 and sang. He is good. His, his love to Israel endures forever. David wrote in Psalm 106 and 107, Praise the Lord, give thanks, he is good. Yeah. In Psalm 118 verse 1 and verse 29, he said, Give thanks, he's good. His love endures forever. Yeah. I think we believe this passage for them. We go, well, it's there, it happens, of course God is good to them. But, you know, when I reflect on my life, I don't see God doing good things for me. Well, in Psalm chapter 136, let's go there. Come on, bro. Now, follow me here. We're not going to read the whole thing word for word. I'm going to skim through it, but I'm going to read all the verses. Okay. We'll start here in verse... Verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods, to the Lord of lords. He alone does great wonders, made the heavens, spread out the earth upon the waters, made the great lights, made the sun, made the moon and the stars, struck down the firstborn, brought Israel out, of, out from among Egypt, outstretched his arm, divided the Red Sea, brought Israel through it. Swept Pharaoh and his army into the sea, <coughs> led the people through the desert, struck down great kings, killed mighty kings, gave the land as an inheritance to the servant Israel. You go, wow, that's pretty awesome. I mean, look what God did. God brought them out of Egypt, through the desert, they survived, through the, 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 the Red Sea, through the Jordan River, into the Promised Lands. God conquered those kingdoms so that the Israelites could conquer all of the Promised Lands. And you go, well, that's great for them, but what about me? Verse 23. He remembered us in our lowest states. <coughs> Freed us from our enemies. He gives food to every creature. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his love endures forever. Wow. I'll tell you what God did for you. He remembered you. And you got to be grateful that God remembered you. Yes. So, well, of course he remembered you. That's the problem. We get so entitled. We start to think that God should have remembered us. Wow. No, God, God should have forgot about you. Yeah. He should have forgot about me. God remembered us. Wow, that's a miracle. Yeah. He remembered us. He cares about us. The Bible says he provides for us. He freed us from our enemies. And I, it's not necessarily just talking about the enemies that, you know, like the bullies that beat you up in high school. I mean, these are the enemies of God. These are the, this is, these are the enemies that have attacked you all your life in the spiritual battle that you fight. Yes. And God has freed you from that. It's very important that we understand how much God has freed us from. And you go, well, that's just great. I mean, God does that for his people. Okay, now I see how God's worked for my good, but, but what about these people? What about everybody else? Look over in Psalm 145. Come on. 
Verse 9. The Lord is good to all. All his people? No. He has compassion on all he has made. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. God was good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. The saved and the unsaved. The Christians and the Muslims. God is good to everybody. That's how amazing his love is and his compassion is. You know, there's so many people in the world that get this. So many people in this room that don't. Melody Beattie said, Gratitude makes sense of our past, brings peace for today, and creates vision for tomorrow. She also said, Gratitude turns what we have into enough. Oprah Winfrey said, Be thankful for what you have. Yeah, I'm going to close some Be thankful for what you have. You'll end up having more. If you concentrate on what you don't have, you will never, ever have enough. John F. Kennedy said, as we express our gratitude, we must never forget the highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. Ralph Waldo Emerson, you cannot do a kindness too soon because you never know how soon it'll be too late. Wow. Coach John Wooden, things turn out best for people who make the best of the way things turn out. Wow. You always have something to be grateful for. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, in ordinary life, we hardly realize that we receive a great deal more than we give. And that is only with gratitude that life becomes rich. Robert, Robert Braid said, gratitude and attitude are not challenges. They are choices. Mm. Perfectly will decide to be thankful yeah. through the holidays. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. Thankful at the very minimum for number one, the fact that he remembered us in our lowest state. Right. But number two, that he freed us from our enemies. Yes. Yeah. Let's get into the scripture a little bit more. Amen? I got two points for you this morning. Right. Point number one is, at least you still got your blessings. Okay. Look over in Malachi chapter two. Now, this is an encouraging passage. i got to tell you that before you read it so that you understand it's supposed to be encouraging. Oh, okay. <laughs> Verse 1. And now, this admonition is for you. What's an admonition? An admonition is a call higher. You call someone higher that you love and that you believe in. God says, I'm calling you higher because I believe in you, because I love you. My mercies are everlasting and my love endures forever. I'm calling you higher, church. Come on. Come on. Come on, bro. Says this admonition is for you, oh priest. But we're the priesthood. Yeah. Amen. If you do not listen, and if you do not set your heart to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not set your heart to honor me. You know, God gives us a warning. Now. Don't you just love the warnings of God? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you love warnings. Don't you love warnings? Yeah. Don't you love getting a heads up yeah. that the final exam for the first principles is in a, a week and a half? And you got to get ready for that? Yeah. Yeah. You got to appreciate the warnings. Yeah. <laughs> you appreciate the late notice. Like, hey, you don't hand in rent. You're going to get evicted. Yeah. You appreciate the warnings from your kids. Like... You can see their anger boiling up, and you know they're about to explode, and you lead them into the other room so they can explode over there. You appreciate the warnings. God says, I got a warning for you. If, if it's conditional, it doesn't have to end this way. Yeah. 
If you honor my name, don't worry. Things are good. But if you don't, I'm going to turn your blessings into curses. Now, we know the scripture in Deuteronomy 23, verse 5, which says God turns curses into blessings. I mean, we like that scripture. Yeah, God takes yeah. a bad situation and makes good things come out of it. Yeah, I mean. But have you ever read this one? God will turn your blessings into curses. Wow, have you ever had something really precious to you be taken from you? Yeah. Have you ever had something you loved dearly just be destroyed? Yeah. Have you ever had something just so close to your heart disappear? Mm -hmm. Man, it's tough, huh? Yeah. God takes these blessings and turns them into curses when we do not honor his name. Yeah. And you go, well, how's that loving? I thought his mercies are everlasting and his love endures forever. What happened? Oh, it's still true. It just changed directions. You see, God disciplines those he loves. Yeah. You would be an illegitimate child of God if he did not discipline you when you needed discipline. God changes the direction of his love to go from <coughs> blessing to curses. Because sometimes we are so belligerent, so stubborn, so hard-hearted that the blessings aren't good enough for us. And we don't honor God. We don't honor God with the incredible blessings that he's given us. We don't honor his name. We don't live like we honor his name. Mm -hmm. And he goes, hey, hello. Hello, you going to listen to me or what? Hello. Okay. You want to idolize that blessing? Let me just take it right back from you. Wow. You know, you can idolize about anything in your life. True. You can idolize people, relationships, kids, jobs, money, dreams, vision. You can idolize these things, but God's got to be number one. Amen. He says, honor my name. And when you don't, I'm going to turn your, your blessings into curses. Yeah. But you know, the warning doesn't stop there. He gets a little bit more detailed than what this is going to look like. From verse 3. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will spread on your faces the awful from the festival sacrifices, and you will be carried off with it. Now, I'll be honest, I didn't know what that word means. <laughs> awful, but you, you look it up and it's pretty awful. <laughs> this, this is the waste. This is the extra beyond the, the actual sacrifice itself. I mean, God, God is amazing in the sense that when, when the Jews would sin, they would have to sacrifice, but then they would be able to eat their sacrifice. So this was a meal for either the Levites or the sinner. So God makes you kill your most beautiful animal in the pasture. You sacrifice it, you kill it, you burn it, but it's not going to go to waste. God's not a wasteful God. Mm -hmm. So he just takes it and it becomes a meal for somebody. So the expectation is that you give God your best. Yeah. And so in preparing this, this sacrifice, someone's going to eat it. So you prepare it. You, 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 know, you, you gut it. You cut off the parts you're not going to eat, and then you throw it on the stove, and you're going to eat, right? Mm -hmm. I want you to imagine something. Mm -hmm. Let's just break down this passage <coughs> into, like, modern day, amen? Come on, okay. Okay. If you could have anybody come out to Thanksgiving, who would it be? Mm -hmm. Let's all be super spiritual and say God. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's be super spiritual. All right. You got the music playing. If you're, if you're like my wife, you're already playing Christmas music. You know, you're kind of jamming out, making the mashed potatoes and everything. And all of a sudden, going into the door. Hey, what's up, guys? Good to have you. Give a big hug. Make yourself at home. Meal will be ready in a couple hours. 
turn out the football game for him, throw some chips in his lap. You know, he's part of he's, he's excited to feel part of the family. You know? God's, God's here for Thanksgiving. It's going to be a great day. Yeah. You're like, hey, God, so I'm going to go into the flock. I'm going to go get one of these turkeys here. I'm going to prepare it, and we'll have dinner in a couple hours. You ready? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll just chill here. Cool. So go to the backyard, grab the turkey, bring it inside, chop the head off, take all the feathers out, take all the guts out. Yeah, part, part of that, too, is you got to kind of squeeze the glands, get the yeah. poops out. You know? You're cleaning it up, right? You're getting ready. Amen? And... You, you throw it in the oven. I mean, you've spiced it up. You're excited. It's going to be a crank. I mean, you're cooking for God. Okay. <laughs> I want to challenge you. If you're cooking for someone this holiday, cook as if cooking for the Lord. <laughs> so you prepare this turkey. You prepare this turkey. You are so fired up. God could have went to anyone's Thanksgiving. He came to mine. This is going to be awesome. Everyone, all right, guys, dinner's ready. Everyone comes over, sits around the table, you know. You, you put out the mashed potatoes, the veggies, everything. You're, you're good. Bring out the turkey. Ooh, everyone's excited for your turkey. <laughs> you get the knife out, you start to carve the turkey, and you serve God first. Amen? Amen. God, and then the women and children. Right. It's God first. <laughs> so you carve, carve the turkey, you throw it on the plate. And you give it to your God. This this turkey, I'm telling you, this is gonna be a good turkey. And you put it in front of him, and it's it. He goes, "Thank you. I've got something for you." And you and you see that he's collected all the waste that you had in the kitchen. And he's like, "I got something." He takes this bowl. It's got feces. It's got the the feathers. It's got the intestines. And he, he sits on a table. And he grabs a handful of it, yeah. and he smears it on your face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. John like that one. You know. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, uh, what, what happened here? <laughs> what, did I, what did I do? He said, you didn't give me the best turkey. Dang. Dang. Yo, well, God, I mean... All turkey tastes the same. I mean, did, did you actually need the best turkey? Wow. He says, of course. I always expect the best turkey. Wow. 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 Now you have a few options. Okay. You can ask God to leave. <laughs> or you can repent. Right. Uh, you deserved the best. Yeah. I promise you, if you come back next year, <laughs> I will give you the best. And God goes, okay. You repent, I'll come back next year. Okay, amen. Let me go clean this junk off my face. But in a very real way, you know, this is how people treat their Christianity. That's so true. Wow. Why sacrifice if it's not going to be your best? Why, why call yourself a Christian if you're not going to do your best? Right. Right. Why? Why? God's like, I want the best. Nothing but the best. Right. Make every effort to enter through the narrow gates. I want the best, not the awful. Mm. 
You know, in a very real way, guys, God deserves our best. He deserves the best of everything. Our time, our money, (laughs) our relationships, our love, our efforts. He deserves the best. And so often as Christians, guys, we can... We can compartmentalize all these different areas in our life. We go, well, I'm giving out my best in over here and over here. And we allow it to justify why we're not giving our best over here. God says, I just want your best. Give me the best. And then we go, well, God, all turkey tastes the same. He's like, no, it doesn't. I want the best. Yeah. 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 Well, very encouraging when God ends the passage right here. With an example of what best looks like. All right. He finishes up the idea here in verse 4 and goes, And you will know that I have sent you this admonition so that my covenant with, with Levi might continue, says the Lord Almighty. My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace. I gave them to him this call for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. You know, Levi, if you didn't know this, Levi was the first Levite. It was the Levites were named after Levi. And he was a, an incredible example. He was an amazing priest. He did what he was supposed to do. He lived a righteous life, and he called other people to repent of their sins. And as disciples, that's who we're trying to be. We're, we're trying to be like Jesus. Yeah. We're trying to follow in his footsteps. Right. We don't give God the leftovers. Right. We don't pay all of our bills and then give to God. Right. We don't fill up our schedule and then plug God in. Yeah. Right. We don't fill up our heart with friends and idols and people and then try to find some room for God. Right. No, God's got to get the best. You guys with yeah. me? Yeah. You know, and, and we have some incredible examples. We have Jesus to look at, Levi yeah. to look, like, look at. We, we need to be the best disciples that we can be Amen. of Jesus. Amen. You know, we need to remember, even when things aren't going the way that we want them to go, at least you still got your blessings. Yeah. Yeah. You know, God is in total control of every moment, of every meal. He's in total control. And if you got anything, if you've got just a breath of life left, you've got something to be grateful for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you got to ask yourself, though, am I cursed by God? If you feel cursed by God, it's simply because you are not giving God your best. There's something in your life lacking where you're not giving your best. Your best is going to look different from their best. You've got your race to run. You've got to give your best. You guys with me here? If you've got blessings of God, then you've got to just count them and be thankful. At least you've got your blessings. Point number two. Don't complain if the Lord sustains. Okay. Worked on that one all morning. Look over at Hebrews <laughs> chapter 1. Come on. I don't want to hear the word of God. I'm going to leave this place. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. The exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification of sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. You know, the Bible teaches right here that the sun is the radiance of God's glory. I don't know about you, but I woke up this morning, I saw the sun, S-U-N, and I got fired. 
I was like, oh man, it's going to be another glorious day. I hope that the whole week looks like this. I pray, Lord, please let the whole week look like this. I pray that the turkey bowl this year looks like this. Last year we were playing in torrential downpours. We, we just want a beautiful week, Lord. Amen? And then, and then I just thought about the fact that, man, the, the sun is the radiance of God. Man, Jesus was God in the flesh. In every way, the exact representation of who God was. God would have looked like Jesus, sounded like Jesus, walked like Jesus, lived like Jesus, slept like Jesus. Jesus was the exact representation of who God was. And you know, the fact that we get to be in the presence of Jesus is just so awesome. I mean, we know this is true, because even Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know, if if we had the opportunity to be with Jesus, wow, what an incredible opportunity. I, I don't know about you, I was so inspired by the Good News email. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't read the Good News email, go ahead and read it today. It is incredible. It set you up for a lot to be thankful for this week. Yes. Yeah. But you know, there was some incredible news. Just churches multiplying, new churches getting planted. We're at 97 churches in almost 40 countries now. God has really multiplied throughout the movement. It's incredible how many disciples are getting made of family members and things like that. And I was so inspired, but there was one thing that really jumped out at me, and that was something that happened down in Australia. Okay. Now, of course, I was encouraged by, you know, Nicole's picture being in there. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was so awesome to, to read about uh, the prayers of Joe Willis, the leader of the Sydney Australian Church. And he did something that I thought was just so incredible. I had to read it like four or five times. I, I wasn't <coughs> sure if I was reading it correctly. But basically, last year... He, he left the New Year's Eve parties down in <coughs> Australia to travel to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane all night to enter in the New Year. Oh I thought, I never even had that <laughs> I can't believe he skipped out on the kingdom party. <laughs> I never missed kingdom parties. And then, the fact that he went to Jerusalem... To pray at the Garden of Gethsemane all night to enter in a new year. I mean, does it get more cranky than that? I mean, is there a more epic time, epic place to pray an epic prayer than the Garden of Gethsemane to enter in the new year? I thought that was just so awesome. So y'all might not see me at the Good News or the New Year's Eve party this year. Take me with you, bro. But you know. Well, I'm not saying I'm traveling to Jerusalem. <laughs> Might go to the Botanic Gardens or something. <laughs> but you know, it's incredible just to think about what it would have been like 2,000 years ago to, to literally be in the presence of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And how, how little those people appreciated him. I mean, now, now we would appreciate them all the more. But, you know, there, there's no, like, foresight when you're living in the hindsight and, you know, that whole thing. But it's incredible to think about that. And yet Jesus was the exact representation of the glory of God. Yeah. And then the scripture says that all things are sustained by God through his word. Is that what it says? It's not what it says. By his powerful word. I mean, we believe in the Bible. But do you, do you believe in the power of the Bible? Come on. The power of God's Word. Yeah. I mean, this, this is a higher call to all of us. Yeah, bro. Back in the early 80s, a church was planted in New York City. 
A city at the time of 18 million people was planted by a, with a church planting of 18 sold out disciples. Wow. And all the disciples came together and they gained the conviction. They said, you know, guys, during our time here in New York City, we're just going to share our faith with one new person every day. That's it. That was their whole evangelistic campaign for how God was going to grow the church. And in, in within 10 years, that church grew from 18 people to over 6,000 disciples wow. in New York City. You know, so often we get in this rut of not sharing our faith. And we, we share our faith for a couple days, and then we kind of fall off in our evangelism for a few days. And then, you know, it takes someone kind of giving you a kickstart to get back into it. You feel spurred on by your brother and sister. Maybe they tell you to share your faith, or you see them do it, and you're like, oh, yeah, i got to get back into that. Yeah. Can you imagine if all of us were evangelistic every yeah. single day with just one person? Yeah. It would make all the difference. I'm telling you, yeah. it would make all the difference. Yeah. Yeah. But why is the whole church not evangelizing every day? Because the leaders aren't evangelizing every day. Mm -hmm. And why are the leaders not evangelizing every day? Because I don't evangelize every day. Mm -hmm. This is to my shame. I tell you right now, I repent. Come on. Uh -huh. And I'm going to do a lot of reflecting over the next six weeks going into the new year. Because yeah. i got a lot of stuff i got to grow in. And I'm going to make decisions. Yep. I decided that on the weekdays, and hold me accountable, I decided on the weekdays, when my kids are up at 6 a.m. every day, I'm going to wake up at 5, so I go to prayer walk every morning. Come on. Come on. Hold me to it. That's going to be my entire 2019. I'm going to go on long prayer walks every day. I believe it makes a difference. I'm going to share my faith with at least one person every day. Even when I travel out of town, I'm going to find someone to share my faith with every day. That's my commitment to God, and I want you to hold me accountable to it. But I also want to call you to do some reflecting. Because if I got areas I got to grow in, we all got areas we got to grow in. You know, the greatest calling of God is not to be a leader, but to be a disciple. And if you're in this room and you want to be a disciple, you are living the life that God wants you to live. Yeah. You've got so much ahead of you, but God cannot work through someone who doesn't want to be worked through. Right. Yeah. And so we got to get a conviction in the power of the Word of God. Yeah. You know, I really believed, I really believe in a deep way that, that the Word of God would change everything. And we kind of say it in a jokingly way somewhere, some, sometimes, but in a very real way, if everyone in the world would believe in the Scriptures and live by the Bible, this would be a much different place. Yeah. It wouldn't be a perfect place. It wouldn't be a perfect place because you and I are in it. We're imperfect and we mess up. But it would be a much better place. Yeah. Our, our situ things like discrimination, government accountability, divorce yeah. rates, food scarcity, safety yeah. in schools, economic divide, justice, world peace, the list goes on and on, would not be issues right. if every single person lived by the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we got to believe in the powerful word of God. It yeah. sustains all things. Where would our world be today if we didn't have the Bible? I mean, the Christians are trying. There are some people trying to be Christians. But I mean, if there was not an ounce of Christianity, this world would be a mess. Yeah. Yeah. It would be an absolute disaster. Mm. We would have been in World War III. Yeah. But we believe in the powerful word of God because it sustains all things. Yeah. Yeah. Because we believe in the powerful word of God, we believe in the evangelization of the nations yeah. in this generation. Yeah. To spreading the word of God all over the world. Yeah. Do you believe in the power of the word of God? Come on, bro. You know, it's amazing to me that as, this, as saved disciples living in the kingdom, surrounded by people that we love and that love us, having all that we need provided by God, Philippians 4.19, and all that we need to stay faithful, 2 Peter 1.3, we can still find things to complain about. Yeah. 
I mean, what more do you want? <coughs> what more can God do for you? And since when did it become about us? You know, God is sustaining all things by his powerful word of God. Don't complain if the Lord sustains. I've got two challenges for us this morning. The first one comes from that incredible passage we read earlier in the Psalms. And we got to remember that we were remembered by God in our lowest state. I want you to do some reflecting this week. Do some reflecting in prayer, perhaps in journaling, and remember who you were before you knew about God. Before you knew how to be a Christian, before the Bible entered your life, before true disciples came into your life, remember who you were when you were called. And what you'll find is not many of us lived impressive lifestyles. Do some reflecting. That's my first challenge. My second challenge is a little more practical. And that is to remember that we've been freed from our enemies. And I want to encourage everyone here today to make a list this week. And it's going to take you a week to make this list. But make a list of all the enemies that God has saved you from. Don't write about the things that you want to be saved from. Don't write about the enemies that you think might come in the future. But think to your past, what have you been freed from? Now, for some of us, that list might be 10 things. Others might be 1,000 things. But make that list. What have you been freed from? Start it on Monday. Work on it all week long. But let's come to church next week with a list of things that we're thankful for after doing some reflecting. You know, for all of us, at least we got our blessings. And if the Lord is sustaining everything, then we have nothing to complain about. This week, but every week, let's enter his gates with thanks. Let's give God our very best. And let's see what God will do. His love endures forever. Thank you very much. Amen.